lose everyone. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. I see dead people. Wait a minute. Wait a minute, Doc. Uh, are you telling me that you built a time machine? Out of a DeLorean? And knowing is half the battle. What the deuce? Must have the And I'll form the head. You are part of the Rebel Alliance and a traitor. Take it away. What you talking about, woman? Wow, infotainment. Welcome to another edition of Transmissions Extra, the show where we do extra work for extra podcasting, extra goodness. Oh, my. I'm <laughs> no extra pay. No, no extra pay. <laughs> I'm your host, Charles, a.k.a. Big C, and I'm here with a couple of my Transmissions friends. Jeremy. Hello. And Daryl. We're friends? Aw. <laughs> For now. Hi. <laughs> uh, Yoshi, unfortunately, couldn't make it this week, but he's still around. We we still let him in the clubhouse. We have a clubhouse. Uh, had... <laughs> it's a virtual clubhouse. No one told me about this clubhouse. <laughs> Somebody offered to build it for Charles. <laughs> for the for, for the for, for the podcast, and Charles says, "Yeah, it'll you put it in my backyard." <laughs> I thought you were going to go a different way and say they were going to make Charles pay for it. <laughs> anyway, we're not here to mess around. We're here to talk about Revolution, another IDW Revolution extra. We're coming around to the end of the series. This is Revolution issue number four. Chapter four, The New Colossus. This is written by John Barber and Cullen Bunn. Art by Fikio Asio. Colors by Sebastian Chang. Letters by Tom B. Long. Edited by David Hedgecock. Chief Creative Officer Chris Real. And publisher Ted Adams. We've got eight covers this time. So we're, <laughs> I guess we're, that's a slight reduction, but it's still a huge amount of covers. Uh, Daryl, any of these covers looking good to you? Um, well, I bought, the one I bought is the regular cover. The one that has jazz and RC on it with uh, snake eyes and some really weird looking arms, uh, on jazz. <laughs> um, but, uh, I must say the Guido cover is, uh, is particularly awesome. And my comic store had it, but, uh, I wasn't spending $10 on it, so, um, I didn't get it. So, uh, um, but yeah, no, it's, uh, that's the cover that I would have liked to have got if it were, uh, the same price as everything else. Cool. Uh, Jeremy, which cover would you pick? Well, you might think that I would want the subscription C, the James Biggie cover. You would be wrong. Oh, um, I too think that the Guido cover is just amazing. And, there should be no other covers. <laughs> is, that, is that one of the commandments? Thou shalt have no other covers before me? Uh, after seeing this cover, yeah. <laughs> this one was just... You know, I, I love, I love the, the pretty much three colors, red, black, and white. And he, he just did so much with just those three, cover, or three colors. It, I love it. FYI, black and white are shades. There's only one color on that cover. <laughs> Shut up, Terrell. <laughs> uh, 
All right. Well, I'm going to make it a hat trick and also say that this retailer incentive cover B by Guido Guidi is the shiznit. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wanted to get it, but my store actually didn't buy enough copies of Revolution to get it. So they didn't. Man. Um, so I was forced to get the regular cover as well, Daryl. Well, if you're really jonesing for it, the next time I'm in my store, I'll look for you. If it's still there, I'll get it for you. Uh, you don't have to do that. That's... Yeah, you're in the same boat as me. You're not spending yeah. $10 on this cover. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> I mean, not $10 Canadian. I know, right? Fuck. <laughs> oh, well, in that case, that's only a dollar for me. So. Oh, well, yeah. Sorry, I was backwards. Yeah. Actually, um, if people are if our pe- people are really jonesing for covers, they can just go to thingsfromanotherworld.com. And or tfaw.com if they don't want to yeah. type. <laughs> True. <laughs> but that's, you know, that's the, that's, you get reasonable prices for the covers there. Yeah. And, uh, a, a tip, if you pre-order something well in advance, it costs much less. Like the further out you can, you get with your, your order there, it costs less and the price goes up the closer you get to release. Yep. But we're not being sponsored by them, so we're not going to talk <sighs> about them anymore. <laughs> All right, Mike, edit that out. Mike? He, he is not editing their extras. <laughs> anyway, let's get into the rest of the show and start off with a synopsis of Revolution issue number four. All right. Chapter four begins with a silent interlude. As Snake Eyes, G.I. Joe Ninja Extraordinaire sneaks into Autobot City in Monument Valley, past guards, Combiner Victorian and Autobot Jazz, still missing an arm. Snake Eyes continues to infiltrate the Autobot's headquarters, evading Windblade and going further into the depths of the giant city. We then arrive where we left off at the end of Revolution number 3, as Snake Eyes confronts the tiny Micronauts in their miniature ship, the Heliopolis. The Micronauts are caught off guard by Snake Eyes as he attacks their ship. To their eyes, he is a giant attack robot in the form of their enemy, Baron Karza, and their ship is no match for them. The Micronauts' robotic warrior, Akroyer, is itching the fight back, size difference be damned, and flies out of the ship to launch a counterattack using fellow Micronaut Fenelo Fee's space glider. But before Akroyer, I should say can square off with Snake Eyes, R.C. notices their scuffle and comes to investigate. She has a three-way battle with Snake Eyes and the Micronauts as she tries to capture them both. Snake Eyes lives up to his ninja reputation and gets the better of R.C., stabbing her in the eye. But this just makes her madder. Finally, the other Autobots and Soundwave arrive to break things up. Soundwave fires a sonic blast to incapacitate everyone. As R.C. takes a moment to recover since she was caught in the blast too, the other Autobots and Rom discover the tiny Micronauts inside their ship. Rom detects that Akroyer's metal body resonates like the space bridge, and Windblade surmises that these tiny beings must be life forms from the Microverse created by Micronus Prime. Optimus checks to make sure Snake Eyes and the Micronauts are still alive, and he hopes they can now finally work together. But Snake Eyes presses a button on his wrist, activating a distress signal which is sent back to G.I. Joe headquarters and is promptly ignored by Miles Mayhem, mask director and currently the highest ranking officer at G.I. Joe's Governor Island, Governor's Island headquarters. Miles is busy talking to one of his associates, Caleb Awan, owner of Deep Wave Technologies and secretly one of the dire wraiths planning to take over the Earth. 
Looks like Miles has been working with the enemy. He's the secret ally that Baron Carza was in contact with last issue. Miles chides Caleb for the Dire Wraith's recent failures to take over other human installations, and tells him that he's located the huge cache of War 13 beneath the Cybertronian's giant titan that is currently Autobot City. But just then, Matt Tracker walks in on Miles and questions who he was talking to, and what Tracker heard in the tail end of his conversation. Miles quickly terminates the communication with the Dire Wraith and brushes Tracker off. Miles tells Tracker that he was communicating with reinforcements for their next mission, an attack on Autobot City. Meanwhile, the Dire Wraiths gather and prepare to join Miles Mayhem in the attack. They absorb the last of their Or 13 supply and shed their human forms to become a powered-up Wraith army. Back in Autobot City, things have calmed down a bit. The Micronauts don't speak or understand English, but they now understand that their act they now understand by their actions and body language that the giants around them are not their enemies. RC is still a bit pissed at Snake Eyes for her missing eye, but Optimus gets her to back down and convinces Snake Eyes that they are not the enemy. At Joe headquarters, Scarlet and her team return from their mission at the old EDC base in the Bikini Atoll, and that was took place in G.I. Joe Revolution, and see that Mask has completely cleared out. It appears Miles Mayhem was not quite their ally after all, and has left them high and dry. Outside Autobot City, Mask confronts Victorian and Jazz. Jazz isn't concerned, since her gravity powers alone should be enough to handle the entire Mask team. But then an army of dire wraiths shows up, giving Mask a giant heap of air support. Victorian sends Jazz to warn the other Autobots as she holds back the combined attack. As Mask and the Dire Wraiths press their attack, Matt Tracker is taken aback at the allies Miles Mayhem has summoned and continues to express his doubts about the company his boss keeps. But there's no time to argue as the Autobots, Soundwave, Rom, and the Micronauts arrive to confront the attackers. We get a lovely two-page spread of the knockdown, drag-out fight that Revolution has been building up to. In one corner, we have Optimus Prime, Soundwave, and the Autobots with Rom the Space Knight, the Micronauts, and G.I. Joe's Snake Eyes, Virtues, Miles Mayhem, the Mask Team, and the Monstrous Dire Wraiths. The Wraiths, powered by Or-13 and the Mask Vehicles, gain the advantage, and, the, and Optimus and the Autobots start to lose ground. Miles gloats that with his new allies, he'll take Optimus Prime's place as would-be ruler of the Earth. Upon hearing that, Tracker finally realizes that Miles Mayhem has betrayed his team and the Earth to gain power by working with the Dire Wraiths. But the Wraiths don't plan to endorse Miles' rulership. He was a means to an end, and the Wraiths immediately betray him and ground his mass copter jet switchblade. Miles is of course surprised that his villain team-up would end in another betrayal, and it's Matt Tracker's turn to gloat over his miscalculation. But Miles has, more th has one more trick up his sleeve. He pulls a switch in his vehicle and reactivates the Autobot space bridge, allowing his other alien ally, Baron Karza, to enter from microspace. The lead Dire Wraith is not impressed at all by the diminutive Karza, but Micronaut leader Oz recognizes the danger. All the beings from microspace possess the ability to interchange and meld with larger machines and other things. Karza activates his interchange ability and begins to merge with the giant or 13 powered Dire Wraith leader. The Dire Wraith tries to resist, but it's no use. Now all the combatants must face the giant form of a combined Karza slash Dire Wraith monster, who revels in his power and says one phrase, till all are one.
Lastly, back at Joe headquarters, Scarlet has tracked Miles Mayhem and Mask to see they have gone to confront the Autobots at Monument Valley. But the Joes are stuck since their high-tech computerized vehicles and weapons are vulnerable to Soundwave's ability to shut them down. But Scarlet has a plan. She decides to bring the old G.I. Joe vehicles and weapons out of mothballs to enter the final showdown. Yo, Joe. To be concluded in Revolution Chapter 5. All right, so we have the ramping up of violence and action right before we get to the final issue and the final showdown. So, Daryl, what did you think? There was a lot of really good action in this book. And uh, and I liked how it picked up exactly where the other one left off, essentially, just with a little bit of a, you know, how we got to that point. Um, it was it was really well drawn. The two page spread, oh, wow, <laughs> that that's impressive. Um, there was a couple points where the art kind of you know kind of annoyed me, and it only had to do with the Transformers, just because of our experience with Transformer art. Um, one was at the beginning with uh, with Windblade, uh, where uh, Snake Eyes got past her, um, and, uh, her head, I think it was, I think it was that part. Basically her, her head just is just huge and, uh, it just looks terrible at that point. Um, there's another part, part with RC and it just looks like a, an old woman. And, and I'm like, this is drawn very poorly. Um, well, she is an old woman, <laughs> <Yeah>. but, uh, <clears throat> But the, all in all, the art is is really really well done, and I and I really like it. Um, the story was was decent. Um, bringing everybody together is not easy. Um, and I had a question: Have I'm losing track of everything? But have we actually talked and reviewed GI Joe Revolution? It's not out yet. It has not been released. That was my problem then. So yeah. at least twice, maybe three times, the book refers to G.I. Joe Revolution, and we've not seen it yet. Yeah. So uh, here I am questioning myself, thinking, damn it, we've read all these fucking books, and I've forgotten what the hell happened into G.I. Joe 1. And thank God I'm not crazy, because the book's not out yet. Yeah. Yeah, this was a, a complaint that I saw on Facebook on the thread where... Um, people were saying that there was no real reading order put out by IDW, which they really need to put out. Mm -hmm. All they've put out is a list of like what books are supposed to come out in each month, which with right. IDW, you know, that's, you know, that's a, <laughs> an, an aspirational goal that they put out there. Mm -hmm. They they really need to say, this is the order you should read these books. And I think it'll go a long way to making this a much better event comic. I mean, I'm sure when they, when they put it out in trade, it'll be in the right order. Mm -hmm. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I mean, um, IDW is historically been bad about that. They don't bother with reading orders. They just leave the fans to sort it out themselves. Mm -hmm. They don't, they don't do a good job of actually telling you, Hey, this is the, this is the order that the sequential checklist, you know, the sequential uh, story should be read in. Mm-hmm. No, but all in all, I thought it was I thought it was a pretty decent uh, a decent book. Nice to see. Even though I'm not a big GI Joe fan, I still recognize the the Tomcat 
the F-14 at the end there. And whatever the hell its actual G.I. Joe's name is, whatever, it's an F-14 Tomcat. Um, but uh, F-15 Eagle. This one's a Tomcat. You should you should know that it's it's an old. Technically, this is a Sky Striker. The uh, but the model of the plane. Anyway, uh, but yeah, no, it's it's nice to see the old the old uh, vehicles because those are nostalgic. But uh, I mean, that's that's playing right into the 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 target audience of the book. Um, but yeah, I thought it was a decent read for sure. Cool, Jeremy. What did you think? I liked it. Um, I do. I like that it's bringing things together, and now you're seeing where, like, you're you're starting to see where things are going to end up after the fact. Like, they're bringing the GI Joe from the more, I guess, movie inspired way that the books had been pre revolution and post revolution. It looks like it's going to get more into the cartoon inspired GI Joe stuff. And I think that's why we're seeing the old vehicles back, which I think is the way that they should go because like it or not, most fans of GI Joe were fans because of the cartoon, at least most fans that are still alive right now. Um, Have we seen a great die off of GI Joe fans recently? Well, the 12 inch fans. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> But I mean, you know, I I think that was the most popular version of GI Joe, as evidenced by the the length of the toy line and everything. Right. Yeah. Um. In in the whole silent interlude at the beginning, that was an homage to the comic where Larry Hama did an entire, um, an entire issue with no words. It was just Snake Eyes, like doing stuff, which is like one of the you know most highly regarded comics in the series. Was that the one where, uh, where they, they thought that they didn't have to pay him for that. I remember something about that where or an entire I, comic was written with no words and there was controversy whether they actually needed to pay him for it. I think you're right about that. Yeah. That's a topic for about- a different story, but, uh, or a different time. But yeah, I think, uh, yeah, there was a big a big to do about him not getting paid for it because he actually didn't write anything. Where in fact he did write a considerable amount because it all had to be descriptive to the artist. Right. Well, I don't. I, I think that might be uh, a a um, urban legend, but I did look up that issue. So it's issue twenty one of the original GI Joe series, and actually um, one of the one of the things was that the book was getting behind so larry hama actually wrote and drew part of the issue um so i didn't see anything in the gi joe wiki about him not getting paid but there was a another um rumor that the reason that it had no dialogue balloons was because the issue was late and they decided to just publish it without dialogue because they then they wouldn't have to letter it but that's actually not true they intentionally made the issue uh, silent. Oh, um, but you're right. I mean, this is an um, this is an homage to that particular issue, and I mean, even on, on the back of the comic, it even says "Silent Interlude." Yeah. So, you know, the Micronauts' place in this is still what you know. What are they doing? You know, no, they didn't get a chance to really explain themselves because they don't really understand each other yet. Um, the 
in in that big two page spread, it kind of looks like the Micronauts are actually the same size as some of the the other characters, which kind of confuses me. I mean, maybe not the same size, but you know, at least like three quarters the size of Snake Eyes. I mean, the proportions are odd. But- I mean, I think you can like there is a little bit of perspective and and license taken there, but yeah, I mean, I can see. It's not <laughs> some, but they, some of the they micro- go from being extremely tiny to even, you know, if you take perspective perspective into account, not so tiny. Yeah. So that's odd. But any, you know, we still need to see exactly how the micronauts are going to fit into all this. GI Joe is making sense. ROM is making sense. Mask is making sense. Transformers. Of course they make sense because they're the bedrock of this whole thing. Micronauts still seem like they're just kind of thrown in. Do you think Micronauts might be here simply for Baron Karza? Probably. I mean, he's been the most, he's as a villain, he's been the most, like he's been the most significant of the Micronauts in the story so far. So they're taking, you know, they, you know, they may, they're like, okay, well we want another villain. Well, we got Baron Karza from Micronauts. Okay. Well, we'll bring him in, but we can't bring him in without bringing in the rest of the Micronauts. Okay. But they don't really need Baron Karza because they have Miles Mayhem as kind of the person behind the dire wraith, you know, leader guy. Right. So it's still kind of, you know, ambiguous as to who the main villain is in terms, you know, from the perspective of, the heroes, all they know is this thing is happening. They don't know why it's happening. And at this point in a series, they need to be figuring stuff out. So I don't know. At the, from that perspective, it's still kind of a mess. But the issue itself was enjoyable. And you know, like you guys said, the art was much better than it had been. Um, you know, so hopefully as things wrap up, it'll it'll all read a lot better collected, but I'm looking yep. at this now. Geojo revolution should have come out in October and it's still waiting. Yeah. It's super late. <laughs> it's not out next week or this week. Yo, Joe. So yeah, I mean, I, I, I think I, IDW, I mean, I, I understand delays happen, but they need to be a little bit more like forthcoming and like, Hey, we know we put this book. We said this book was coming out but there's been some delays. I mean, just like a note on their website or their social media, something. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, just something saying, how about just something saying, Hey, these are the books that were solicited for this week. These are the books that are coming out this week. Mm -hmm. But anyway, that's what I thought of it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I enjoyed it. I mean, I think, uh, I was, I was also kind of, I thought it was too much in revolution number three. Like it was, you know, pulling the micronauts in seemed to be really out of place. I still think it's a stretch for them. I mean, I understand that, uh, Baron Karza and the whole microspace, uh, you know, thing is, is part of the plot that's making the or 13 unstable. But I think the, the micronauts are just, it's, it's still, yeah, it still doesn't quite fit like the other ones. I mean, like Jeremy, you just said, like the the other ones all really kind of fit well and work well together. The Micronauts are still kind and of these are high. also 
you know, now that I'm looking at this, it looks like we're so out of order because it looks like like to all our one revolution, which we're going to be including in episode 198, comes before this. And then there's this one. And then Transformers Revolution and Action Man Revolution follow this, if this checklist is to be believed. Yeah, but the checklist doesn't mean the reading order. Because Transformers and Action Man Revolution, which we did last week, those are both taking place at the same time as the G.I. Joe Revolution. And those all, all three of those take place before Revolution number four. And Till All or One took place before Revolution number three, you know, and looking at the story. Yeah, it IDW needs to get their act together. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, I mean I I think that yeah, I mean I agree with with basically what everyone said, you guys said. I mean the the art for the Transformers is still rough. Um Prime Windblade and RC in particular, they just don't look right, but everything else looks really nice and, and the colors are still really popping very nicely. I I really like uh and, and it is difficult getting all those, um, uh, all those, uh, um, you know, all these different car- these different size uh, classes together in the same, you know, in the same picture and in the same uh, panel fighting each other. So, uh, and I think in if interviews, the artists had talked a little bit about that, about how that was that was a real challenge. But I think mostly it works with a, you know, with a little caveats a few caveats but uh uh i think uh this book was really um tied everything together and um uh, and you know it's a it's a big you know the big fight that we were promised and all the all the sides fighting each other so you know it's 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 the red meat <laughs> for the for the series and then maybe we'll hopefully we'll get everything tied up in a nice little package in the last issue um so i i think uh overall it, it it works um and we'll see we'll see how things go for the final issue yep so uh also i, I did want to mention that um the uh, i did actually so we've been talking about the like the titles for each chapter of Re- of revolution have been poems uh, from like american poets and this uh, this title was one that i actually recognized so the new colossus i i did remember reading that poem from uh, you know, from grade school or high school, whenever the new Colossus is a poem specifically about, uh, the statue of Liberty. Uh, the author is Emma Lazarus. And, um, that's the poem that if, if you ever heard the, the quote, you know, give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to breathe free. That is from this poem. So isn't that also carved on the statue? Yes, it is. It's on the uh, the pedestal that the statue is on. So, um, yay for cool poems, I guess. <laughs> um, yeah. So, uh, I think that's it for uh, Revolution Number Four, and uh, we'll be back for another uh, IDW Revolution tie-in. And we're coming down the home stretch. I think we've we've got about three of these left. Um, with uh, I guess GI Joe and Revolution issue number five, and then the more than meets the eye uh, Revolution tie-in. So, and then that'll be that'll be it for the whole Revolution event. So, we're, if you hated it, <laughs> you're in luck. It's about to end. If you loved it, uh, I guess you'll be happy for all the new stuff coming out of this. So, 
So what you're really saying is we need to figure out what we're going to be talking about in the non-revolution extras. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I've been banking ideas. Uh, Of course you have. (laughs) Now, whether we use those ideas or not is the question. (laughs) You will. I'm not watching Letterkenny. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We did have a a, – in the Patreon uh, chat, uh, I think was Sergio asked if we're going to cover revolutionaries – Maybe the first issue. I don't think we're going to do make that a regular thing, but uh, we'll see. It does have a Transformer in it, but <laughs> I will leave that spoiler out in case people didn't know. <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, I think uh, that'll wrap it up for this issue or, or this issue, this episode of Transmissions Extra. And we hope you were extra in- entertained. <laughs> we'll see you next time. Bye bye. Goodbye, everybody. Later. Later.